a lot on your plate? Parasha Kitetze. A few years ago, someone told me about an all-you-can-eat restaurant that charges customers a fixed price, no matter how much food they pack on their plates. But then, the establishment also charges customers, by weight, for the food that they leave on their plates, basically for the food they waste. What a clever idea to minimize squander. And since my mind is always steeped in Torah, I couldn't help but make the quick leap to our relationship with Hashem and our purpose in life. When our time comes, how much of our life's purpose will be actualized and how much will still be left on the plate and wasted? For sure, a lot of us have things for which we need to repent and we have regrets for things we've done. We pray, we're contrite, we beg God to forgive us. But few of us realize that on Judgment Day, we will also have to account for the things we failed to do. We have only one life in which to partake and utilize the beautiful smorgasbord of opportunities and talents with which we are blessed. And yet, sadly, so many of us waste our lives, we starve our potential, and we feed our fears. I'm no diet guru, but that doesn't sound like a healthy regimen. There's a famous quote that says, life is a banquet, and most poor suckers are starving to death. So why are we starving to death if life is a banquet? because we satisfy ourselves with artificial sweeteners. Instead of harvesting our talents, instead of digging deep and rising up and taking our potential with us on that ascent, we get lost in a world of distractions and amuse ourselves with stupidity just to pass the time. Candy Crush, Netflix, all types of distractions that leave no evidence of life behind them. Certainly not a life well lived. So we let all that life has to offer us and all that we have to offer life rot and grow cold on the table. We have a lot of leftovers. And it's really a shame and a tragedy because we have a lot to offer life and each one of us has something unique. The problem starts when we start comparing ourselves with everyone else and think we're not good enough. And we're right. We're not good enough to be them. But we're perfect to be us. So start living the role that you were assigned I remember the General Electric motto, we bring good things to life. Well, if a company like GE can bring good things to life, imagine what God brings to life. Remarkable things, necessary things. God created this world from nothing. But God doesn't create something for nothing. 
He made man and fashioned us in his image. And each of us has a divine and moral obligation to fulfill our unique potential. God said, let us make man in the plural. We have to be a partner in our own creation. And if you'll oblige me a moment of levity, there's a joke. Why did the patient fire his therapist after eating at a buffet-style meal at his doctor's house? Because when the patient arrived, the therapist told him, help yourself. What stops us from helping ourselves and activating our potential? What? The answer is always can be found in the Torah. And in this week's parasha, Ki we read about a very interesting prohibition. The Torah prohibits us from plowing a field with an ox and a donkey together. Okay, what does that have to do with us? Well, there are many explanations for this prohibition. But the one relevant to us now is that the ox represents the elevated part in us that strives for greatness, spiritual greatness, accomplishment, while the donkey represents materialism with its earthly, bodily, gravitational pull. Remember, the Torah prohibits us from plowing a field with an ox and a donkey. So we cannot cultivate our divine potential and greatness while we're tethered to the disruptive forces of the donkey. And it's interesting. If you rearrange the Hebrew letters of the word chamor, which means a donkey, it becomes machar, which means tomorrow. We have the ability to activate our purpose now doesn't mean that right away we have all the skills that we have yet to achieve, but to activate, to turn on, to get moving in the right direction, we have the ability to activate our purpose now. But too often we put it off until machar, until tomorrow, because we've tethered ourselves to the donkey As we all know very well, anyone who tried to start a new language, a new diet, a new way of living life, we all know too well that tomorrow never comes. So you have to seize your moments now. And so this week's Torah reading starts with the words, when you go out to war on your enemies, the Lord your God shall deliver them into your hands. So what does a war all of a sudden have to do with anything in the middle of all this? The sages teach us that this is not just a physical war, but also a spiritual war against the evil inclination, the Satan, all the things that try and bring us down that gravitational pull. We have to fight back. Like, how hard is it to get out of bed in the morning? That's a gravitational pull. 
And our day and our life is never going to get started unless we kick our feet over the side of the bed and rise up. The Satan plays on our fears and it's he who advocates for tomorrow. Relax now, you'll start tomorrow. Take it easy now, you'll start tomorrow. Have a cookie now, you'll start tomorrow. And he distracts us from doing things now. He stalls us and makes us afraid to try new things. And he instills in our minds and in our hearts the possibilities and the probabilities of failure. And honestly, if procrastination would have to hire a PR person, the Satan would do perfectly fine for the job because that's his job, to kill our life. And not in one big stab with a samurai sword, but to kill us one day at a time. One, okay, I'll start tomorrow at a time. A death by a million pricks. But the Satan is an enemy we must fight and we can fight. And how do we know we can fight it? Because God told us, when you go out to war on your enemies, I shall deliver them into your hands. We have to take the initiative. We have to live in faith and not in fear. Imagine a seed that was afraid to change never becomes a flower. Imagine an acorn that was afraid to change it never becomes an oak tree. Imagine a caterpillar that was afraid to change. It would never become a butterfly. Imagine an embryo afraid to become a fetus and a baby afraid to leave its mother's womb. You see, people equate change with loss. But imagine your skin. You know, we have cellular turnover every month, every day. We have to change. Would we want to keep the dead skin, the dead cells? In order to grow and to live and to thrive and to survive, we have to shed. We have to change. Loss is a part of living. We don't hang on to yesterday's shed cells and skin. It would be a little kind of gross. The loss in life is in not changing. That's how we kill ourselves. The loss is in not becoming and not growing and not developing and not maximizing our talents to add value to your life and therefore to the whole world and to serve God as the person you were supposed to be because a child can serve God the same way a teenager can and a teenager can serve God the same way uh, an adult can serve God. So the way we grow in life and the way we're able to do things differently in life is the same way we're supposed to serve God. We're supposed to change and grow. And even to serve ourselves, we can serve ourselves the same way. A two-year-old can serve themselves breakfast. But maybe a five-year-old can start to get creative. And a 13-year-old can start cooking up a storm in the kitchen. So we have to grow. We have to learn how to serve better. To serve ourselves 
to serve humanity, to serve God. And that can only happen with growth. And that can only happen by finishing everything on your plate. Symbolically, using up everything, changing metaphors. Don't die with the music still inside of you. Let every note that you possibly can be sung and heard. You know, there's a sad old joke about Brazil. And it says, Brazil has great potential, and it always will. In other words, the potential is never fulfilled. Don't be Brazil. God promises us that if we go to war against this enemy, which I call the naysayer, the propagator of fear and self-doubt, the saboteur of everything we could be, God will help us. God helps those who help themselves. Every miracle in the Torah is preceded by somebody taking action about Moses raising his hands or about a woman bringing a vessel so that the prophet can fill it with oil. Every single thing that happens miraculously must be preceded by man's effort. Take a step. Don't be afraid to fail. Can't become a great juggler without first dropping a lot of balls. But eventually, it will all be up in the air and you'll be looking up in life and not always down at your feet in shame. As Winston Churchill once said, success consists of going from failure to failure without losing enthusiasm. And it's also been said, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. And what's true in a geopolitical, historical context is true for us personally as well. The evil inclination triumphs when we, good men, good women, do nothing with our lives and squander our potential and leave great delicacies on the plate that gets thrown in the garbage and eaten by rats. With the high holidays before us, it would serve us well to hone in on our unique purpose and talents and start taking stock of our unused and untapped potential. Take a good look at your life and be honest with yourself. Waste not, want not. Know that God will weigh our figurative plates and each of us will be asked a simple question. Why weren't you as fruitful as you could be? And then, of course, like all things in life, there is always a price to pay. Shabbat Shalom.